Father, we do ask you for the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would enable us to really understand how to live out with power and victory this Christian life. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there was this gal. She was actually a nun, and she served in, with a local kind of health care type agency where she'd go house to house and take care of people who couldn't get out. And one time she was on her rounds to see a patient, and she ran out of gas. And so fortunately, she was just down the street from a gas station. So this nun got out, walked to the gas station, and asked if she could borrow a can, get some gas, so she could go you know, put enough gas in her car to get back to the gas station and fill it up. Well, the attendant said that, uh, you know, he only had one can. He already loaned it out. Probably back in a little while if she wouldn't mind waiting. But she was in a hurry. She wanted to see this patient. So she said, no, I'll see what I can do. So she goes back to her car, and she's looking for something she can put some gas in. As she's looking through her car, she spots a bedpan that she was bringing to her patient. And so being the very creative person she is, she thought that'll work. So she walked back to the gas station, filled the bedpan up with gas, made her way back to the car, and she's pouring the gas out of the bedpan into her car. Two men walk by, and one man says to the other, now that's faith. Actually, that really wasn't faith. I mean, there's, it's real easy for people to <clears throat> kind of misjudge what real faith is and what it's not. What I want to talk about today is what does the real Christian faith look like on a day-to-day basis? How do we really walk out this Christian life? But also, what we're going to see today is not only how do we live it out, but what is the key to not, not just bearing fruit, but the key to experiencing joy and the key to getting our prayers answered, and the key to having effective ministry. What is the key to all this? Well, Jesus tells us the answer to all those questions in one passage. Let's look at, together at John chapter 15 and see what Jesus says. John 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." Now, Jesus is using an illustration that would have been easily understood by his original audience who understood how grapevines worked and vineyards worked and all that. But most of us probably don't. We weren't raised around that sort of thing. So what is he saying here? Well, let's break it down here. Jesus says that he's the vine. 
Now, the vine is not these trailing branches. The vine was a wooden kind of gnarly stalk that went about 36 inches high from the ground. And out of it came the branches. So have that image. Jesus says he is the vine. All right. He says the father is the vine dresser. Now, the vine dresser is the keeper of the vineyard. He owns the vineyard. And he, it is his goal to coax as much fruit out of the vineyard as he possibly can. That's what the father does. And then he says, you and I are the branches. Now, again, the branches are what are connected to the vine, to the stalk. And the branches are the focus of the vineyards, of, of the vine dresser's efforts. His goal is to focus on the branches and make sure they can produce as much fruit as possible. So he wants to tend to them. The vine dresser wants to make sure the branches get as much sunlight as possible and air. So he tends to the branches to make sure they can produce as much fruit as possible. Okay, what is the fruit? Well, the fruit, fruits according to the Bible are good works. It's a thought or an attitude or an action that God values because it brings him glory. All right, so this is real important that we see this picture that Jesus is giving us about the Christian life. I also want you to notice that Jesus talks about four different kinds of branches that I'm trying to represent with these four different baskets. These four different kinds of branches represent uh, and the Christian, all Christians. I mean, so every one of us is in this room and online is going to be one of these four branches. The four branches are, number one, the branch that bears no fruit, and that's represented by this empty basket. The branch that does bear some fruit. I mean, we see this basket has a little bit of fruit. Then there's branch number three that has a, quite a bit of fruit, but then branch number four goes from more fruit to much fruit. So here you have something that's overflowing with all kinds of good works, this branch number four. So as we begin to jump into this, just stop here for a second and ask yourself the question. Which of these four branches best represents my life? Take, let's take a closer look at what Jesus says about these branches because what he's going to do is he's going to talk about what the vine dresser now will do with each branch in order to cause it to bear more fruit and what is to be the response of each branch to what the vine dresser is doing in their life. So let's walk through this. Branch number one is no fruit. John 15 verse 2 says, every, Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, first of all, notice that he says every branch in me. This is real important. Words matter. Jesus says every branch in me. The New Testament is very clear that a Christian is one who is in Christ. So Jesus is talking about Christians here. He's talking about a Christian who's not bearing fruit. What does he do in that? What does the vine dresser do in that case? Well, he says what the vine dresser does in that case is this translated, take away. Some translations say cut off. The problem is 
that, that those translations are really not good translations. The Greek word is iro. The Greek word that's translated sometimes take away is also sometimes translated take up or lift up. Now, this word is used when Simon the Cyrene is commanded to take up Jesus' cross. Same word. Simon the Cyrene is not commanded to take it away. He's not commanded to cut it off. He's commanded to take it up. That's the same word. So what is this suggesting that the vine dresser does to a branch that's not bearing fruit? He, he lifts it up. What does that mean? Well, what the vine dresser would do is he would take a bucket of water and he would make his way through the vineyard. And sometimes some of these branches would actually trail down off the trellis onto the ground. And down the ground, they would get dirty and dusty. And then when it would rain, it would get wet and get muddy and mildewed. And at this point, they could not bear any fruit. They do not bear fruit when they're covered in mud. They don't bear fruit when they're covered in mildew. So what the vine dresser would do is he would come in, he'd lift them up. He'd lift them up and he'd clean them off. And he would put them back where the air could circulate, the sunshine could hit them, and they could bear much fruit. That's exactly what the vine dresser does, the father does in our lives. Because if a Christian is not bearing fruit, the typical reason is, is that they have got some type of sin they're not willing to let go of. They're holding on to it. And that's just like being covered over in mud and mildew. And so what does our father do in those cases? Our father wants now to lift up that branch, that person, out of their sin. Why? So they can bear fruit. Remember, that's the goal of the vine dresser is that, that we would bear fruit. So how does he lift up that Christian? What does he do? And what is to be that Christian's response to what he does? Well, what the Bible teaches, what God the Father does to a Christian who is stuck in their sin and not bearing fruit is something called discipline. The response of the discipline is to repent. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, why would a loving God bring discipline upon some of his children? He does it in order for his children to be able to bear fruit. Look what it says later on in Hebrews 12, verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Nobody likes it when it's happening to us. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, listen to this, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. See, discipline is, the, is by God is so that we will get out of our sin, we'll repent from it, because he's finally got our attention enough for us to repent from this <clears throat> willful sin we're holding on to. And now we can bear fruit. I was talking <clears throat> to a young man not long ago, and he was telling me all the things that are going wrong in his life. He was, he, was, he was obviously under the discipline of the Lord. I knew he had a willful sin he would not let go of. And I told him, I said, you know, God's behind everything that's happening in your life. 
And his response was, does God do that to his children? And my answer is yes. Yes, he does. He brings us to a place of repentance. He brings us to a place like the prodigal son who finally came to his senses, right? The prodigal son finally came to the end of himself, some translations say. Why? So he would come home. So discipline is the vine dresser's strategy for cleansing us. That's why it also says in verse 3 that we are clean. We've been cleansed so we can bear fruit. Perhaps some of you in this room, some of you online are right now under the discipline of the Lord. And you're wondering what's going on. See, God has introduced some types of pressure and some types of pain in your life right now. Why? It's because he wants to get your attention to bring you to repentance. Why? So you can be back in a right relationship with him and bear fruit. That's why he does it. So the question you got to ask yourself, are, are you branch number one? Are you? If you are, you need to understand that God's bringing discipline in your life with a purpose. And, and you know, the discipline will end when you repent because it's no longer needed. And so if you want to end whatever you're going through on the discipline of the Lord, you want to bring that to an end, repent. Repent, turn back from the Lord so he can begin to uh, bring about fruit in your life. So let me ask you the question. Is, is there some willful sin that you've not been willing to let go of as causing you to be under the, under the discipline of the Lord? Is there some dishonesty? Is there some sexual sin? Is there someone you won't forgive? Whatever. Is there something you will not let go of and you wonder why nothing seems to go right in your life? The only way to change it is to repent because the discipline of the Lord started because of unrepentance and it ends when you repent. So let me encourage you, if you are branch number one and you want to begin to bear fruit, pay attention to any sin in your life and repent from it so God can begin to lift you up and clean you off and you can begin to bear fruit. Okay, branch number two now is the branch that's bearing fruit. What does God do with number two? He wants to move number two to number three. He wants to cause it to bear more fruit. Okay, and what does he do? How does he do that? John 15, 2 says, In every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So what does the vine dresser do to the, with the branch that bears fruit? He prunes it so it can bear even more fruit. So here's the deal. If you've ever been to vineyard, what you'll find out is that there's all kinds of vigorous, vigorous growth on the branches. And the goal of, of the, for the vine dresser is not to produce leaves. It's to produce grapes. So he's constantly cutting away things that do not, that actually are sucking the life out of what could be going to the grapes. He's cutting off all those other, you know, shoots that aren't, aren't producing fruit so that the, all of the, the sap, all of, you know, the substance can go to really causing fruit to be born. So what does that mean for the Christian? In our Christian lives, a lot of times, we have all these preoccupations and we have these lesser priorities that can suck all the life out of us and cause us not to bear fruit or not to bear as much fruit. So we're not, as Don Barr shared with during community devotion, we're not seeking first his kingdom. 
So what does God do to the Christian who is bearing a little fruit but could bear so much more if they got their priorities straight? If they began to seek first the kingdom, what does God do with that Christian? God prunes them. God brings things in their life to cause them to have cut away those immature commitments, cut away those lesser priorities so we can seek first the kingdom. First time I experienced this very clearly as a college student, I was, began to follow Jesus as a college student, but I also was, I was on the track team. I threw the javelin. It looked like I had a chance that following year or the, the next to possibly make nationals. I was on a trajectory where I, where I was making that kind of progress, and I began to really focus on becoming, you know, the best javelin thrower I could. At that time, the best javelin thrower in the world, I think he was from Russia. He was left-handed. The only, I got a reel-to-reel. That's all they had back then for you young people, reel-to-reel projector. <laughs> and I watched him in a mirror so it looked like he was right-handed. And I was trying to figure out how to get better, and it was taking a lot of my time. I was at engineering student, and so, and, and I, so I wasn't doing as much ministry as I could have. I wasn't being as effective as I could have. So I was out practicing the javelin, and one day I just I tore something on my back. And as soon as it happened, I knew it was God. And javelin wasn't sinful, but it was, so it wasn't the discipline of the Lord. It was the pruning of the Lord because it kept me from what I was really made to do and really called to do. And so it, it really helped me decide I got to put my priorities straight. God let me continue to throw the javelin for a couple of years. I threw it. Every time I threw it, it hurt. In fact, it hurts right now as I'm standing here. <laughs> See, I don't think God doesn't want me to ever forget. And I don't think, so God brings about pruning in our life. Why? So we can bear more fruit. All right? So how do you go from no fruit to fruit? The discipline of the Lord. How do you respond? Repent. How do you go from fruit to more fruit? The pruning of the Lord. How do you respond? Get your priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom. Now, what's the difference between the discipline of the Lord and the pruning of the Lord? There is a difference. If it's a discipline of the Lord, he will reveal your sin to you so you know what to repent from. If it's a pruning of the Lord, it might not be sinful in and of itself what you're doing. It's just that's the priorities are all wrong. And God is trying to help you get your priorities straight. All right, so how do you go now from more fruit to much fruit? We see that in John 15, verse 4. Jesus says this, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does a vine dresser do with a branch that bears more fruit? He invites us to abide even closer, even more, so we can bear much fruit. So I want you to picture something here. Where the branch meets the vine, right there, that, that point where the branch comes out of the vine, the, the bigger that connection is, the, the bigger that circumference is, the more power the more sap can come through to the branch to bear more fruit. So the greater the connection with the vine, the greater the bearing of fruit. Now, we understand this in the Christian life. What Jesus is talking about is the, the more we are committed, I mean, the more we are connected to him, the more fruit we can bear. 
Apart from him, we do nothing. But the more I'm connected to him, the more his life flows through me. The more my, his power flows through me. The more I know his, his voice comes to me. And I know what he's doing and how to line up with all those things are so important to understand. I got to stay closely connected to him. The idea of much fruit is all about connecting to Jesus. It's all about intimacy with Christ. It's this ongoing, vital connection to him. The branch by itself cannot bear any fruit. If I take this branch right here, and I... And I that branch is not going to bear one grape. Not down there, is it? Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. There's no connection. All of our fruit bearing has everything to do with being connected to Jesus. Everything to do with it. Here's what Jesus says, John 15, verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. See, un. Unlike olive wood, olive wood had so many uses in the ancient world. The wood from the grapevine had no use. I mean, it was, it was small and it was brittle. In fact, Ezekiel wrote in Ezekiel 15, is wood taken from the grapevine to make any object? No. Instead, it's thrown into the fire for fuel. So Jesus is making this dramatic point. If we're not abiding in him, we're going to wither. And we're going to be of no spiritual use. That's his point. So what is abiding all about? Abiding is all about staying closely connected to Jesus through my thoughts, closely connected to Jesus in my affections, closely connected to Jesus in my trust. It's walking with him. It's talking to him. It's listening to him. It's, having, it's developing, developing this intimate friendship with him. It's all about being connected with him. I mean, it starts with spiritual disciplines, but does not end there. It starts with spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible reading. But we got to break through the actual discipline into a life-giving you know, relationship through it all that we take with us and we live out every day. And if we do, if we decide that, hey, that's what I want to do. I want to be this branch that bears much fruit. I want, I want the best connection with Jesus possible. I want to live with him every day, walk with him, talk with him, be connected with him. If I make that decision, here's what's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bear much fruit, first of all. There's going to be a great, you know, great fruit bearing in your, in your thinking, in your, in your actions, in your attitudes, everything. Also, my prayers are going to get answered. Jesus said, abide in me, my words abide in you, and ask whatever you wish to be done to you. Also, you know, I have deeper intimacy with Christ. Look at verse 9 of John 15. Jesus said, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. I tell you what, the more I'm, where I'm abiding in Christ, the more I'm experiencing his love and all of that, all, all of what that means. I'm experiencing it. And finally, verse 11, fullness of joy. Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. I mean, that is the key to a joyful life. I tell you what, you show me someone, you show me some Christian that's not walking in joy, I'll show you someone that's not connected to the vine. I mean, there's got to be joy. I mean, joy is going to come with the connection 
with this one who is full of joy. How could you not have it if you're connected to him? And so there's so much that comes from us deciding that we're going to focus on being connected to Jesus in a day-to-day relationship, walking with him, talking with him, leaning on him, listening to him. So again, as we close, how much fruit do you see in your life today? Which basket do you think really represents you? What is a vine dresser doing in your life? What is he doing? And are you listening? Are you paying attention? Are you responding rightly to what he's doing? Some of you might be on the discipline of the Lord, and you know it. You might ask him for a show of hands. You know, but you, you, you who are on the discipline of the Lord, you know it. You've got to repent. You've got to repent. It will not stop if you don't. God is doing it for your good and for his glory. Some of you are being pruned right now, and God is aligning your priorities. Don't fight him. Don't fight him. He will win this battle. (laughs) So go ahead and just go ahead and receive it, thank him for it, and walk in it. Let's stand for prayer. Just close your eyes if you would. Father, you know where all of us are in this room. You know what branch we are. Lord, we just, I pray you would just speak to each of our hearts. Lord, that every one of us would know exactly what it is that you are doing in this branch. What you are doing in each one of us. And we respond right, Lord. Those on the discipline of the Lord, I pray, Lord, now for just the grace to repent and stop fighting, just to repent, turn away from sin, let it go. And turn to God fully. For those being pruned, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would enable them to just be able to say, okay, Lord, I got to line up with your priorities and seek first your kingdom. And Lord, for all of us, I would pray that you would enable us to really hunger and thirst for this connection with Jesus. Lord, that we would just, would love loving you more than ever because everything flows out of that. Lord, this week I pray that we would just find ourselves thinking over and over again, how can I stay more closely connected to Jesus? Because that's where it all comes from. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for, for, for loving us so much and for teaching us this. And we pray, Lord, that we'd walk in it now in Jesus' name. Everybody says...